I think the teaching profession contributes more to the future of our society than other, any other single profession. John Wooten, basketball coach, UCLA, and a devout Christian. Welcome to a special edition of Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture. This special edition is a call to pray for teachers on a day of prayer on August 23rd and to pray for teachers throughout the year. First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio is our partner in this effort to provide prayer support for the difficult, character-forming, and society-forming role of the teacher. We mean teachers from pre-K on up, including classroom teachers, coaches, coaches, band directors, drama coaches, choir directors, and others in the educational process. How important have teachers been to each of us? In this radio program, we will talk with people who have been impacted in ways which are both deep and life-changing. I hope you'll stay with us and start to think about teachers you want to lift up in prayer. Would you like to have a church service on August 23rd? Get in touch so we can provide support for you and your church leaders. I'm Larry Lennon-Schmidt, your host, and we're excited to have an ongoing conversation about issues of concern to the body of Christ through this radio program, conferences, and other events, and our ministry of online resources to encourage the body of Christ to thoughtfully consider and interact with the issues of our day with the heart and mind of Christ. Today our topic is education, particularly prayers for teachers, but in other programs and conferences we spend time on the works of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. We spend time with people in ministries doing creative work to fight human trafficking, be good stewards of the environment, creatively share our faith, and more, all with the heart and mind of Christ. Our special guests today are people who teach and have been taught. They represent the two sides of the teaching process at its finest, committed teachers who want to impact lives and students whose lives have been changed, who have been encouraged at key times, who keep in touch with those teachers. The fruit of Christ, giving to others, shown by the teachers and the students. So with me here in the studio today, we have Rick Lane. Rick is a leader in the prayer ministry at First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio. And we have McNeely Hayes. McNeely has a great story about how a teacher impacted our, our, her life and how that's an ongoing process. So Rick and McNeely, welcome. Thank you for being Thank here. You. Thank you. And I will mention McNeely is also a member of First Presbyterian Church, and we're, we're honored to have her as a young person. She's a student at Texas A&M University, um, where she just finished her freshman year. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, whoop. <laughs> I'm honored to be here. I guess I can't do that yet, but that's okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, uh, I know one time there was a, a, a nun speaking, and and uh, and she was down from New York, and there was someone in their convent that, that was an Aggie, and so she <laughs> said that, and the whole crowd started going whoop whoop. <laughs> she had no idea what was going yeah, on. So uh, never know, and then you got to share your share your school spirit. So. <laughs> right, we'll get to hear more from uh, McNeely in, uh, in the second of these two programs. Are actually going to be two programs. Uh, this is segment one of the first program. Um, and if, uh, if listeners are hearing this on the radio uh, and you miss the other program or you can't hear the whole program, you can find those programs on the hillcountryinstitute.org website. Yes, they'll be posted there soon as, as podcasts. And it can be downloaded. And, and uh, of course, that's convenient for your schedule. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd like to go ahead and, and introduce some special guests that we have with us. In uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, there's a, a wonderful story. Rick, did you want to tell a little bit about the story? Sure, and, and yeah. I'll go ahead and mention our two guests. Uh, we yeah. have uh, Tracy Holloman and Len Fear and Marcus McCoy on the line 
uh, and we'll we'll bring them in in just a moment. But uh, let me let me speak to you why we're about why we're uh, have invited Tracy uh, and Marcus today, um, and why the, why the First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas, felt this was really valuable to hear from them. Uh, our prayer ministry is motivated by the Word of God. Um, uh, some verses come to our minds like um, uh, John eighteen thirty seven. Uh, where Jesus says, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Also, John uh, 17, 17, um, make make them holy, Jesus says, by your truth. Uh, Teach them your word, which is truth. And then also 2 Timothy 3.16, uh, we're being bathed in scripture here. Um, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In 2 Timothy 4.2, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. Um, finally, also, uh, Deuteronomy is filled with exhortations for parents and, and uh, the body of God, the people of God, to teach their children. And God promises that he will heal their land, um, heal their culture, heal their lives uh, if we engage in community and in family uh, in teaching. So it's a, it's a really holy calling, and, uh, and it's one that deserves prayer. Um, it's sometimes a battle ga- battleground of the Spirit. Um, and there are a lot of important things that happen there. So that's why the prayer ministry of First Presbyterian Church San Antonio uh, has, brought, has come to, to focus on this and is encouraging other churches to focus on it. Uh, but in our, as we dealt with these, the issues in society today, uh, the concerns we have, the things that are on our heart, um, and trying to, to understand the best way to approach it, we at First Pres in San Antonio, Texas, were inspired by different stories that we shared with one another uh, in our committee meetings. We're Presbyterians, so we have to have committee meetings. <laughs> and we enjoy those sometimes, and we get some great stories that come out. Uh, and one of the stories we heard was about something God did in Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, over the last 30 years. Um, and it's, it's crystallized in a relationship there uh, between a, a, a student teacher and, and her student uh, and their lives following that. In the mid-1980s, Tracy Holloman was practiced teaching fourth grade in Tupelo. There to welcome her to her new calling uh, was a young boy named Marcus McCoy that Tracy now believes God sent to shape her into the kind of teacher and parent he wanted her to be. Marcus was the kind of student most teachers hoped might be on another class role. Tracy was young and new at teaching, and Marcus decided to do his part to break her in right. Marcus was difficult and disruptive, Um, the class clown, you might say. But something about him always made Tracy smile. One day, the regular teacher turned the class over to young Tracy, and Marcus was ready to challenge her. (laughs) Tracy knew that this was a time to establish high expectations and class discipline. Tracy took Marcus to the principal's office. Young boy begged her not to take him there, but she knew if she turned around, he would never listen to another word she said. It was difficult, but she did not want to see Marcus get in trouble again. But that was not enough. As the semester came to a close, Tracy left with a sad heart because she had not been able to do more to help Marcus. After school ended, God showed Tracy 
that he had indeed planted something very special in Marcus. Marcus, shortly thereafter, called Tracy's father to ask if he and some friends could rake their yard. The children worked hard, and Tracy and her mother made the children lunch. Tracy's mother paid each for a job well done. Then that night, Marcus called on Tracy to bring her a wrapped present. The young boy had not only worked hard, but had walked to the mall and bought her a candy jar for a Christmas gift with his pay. Tracy could not begin to express what she felt. Unfortunately, in the next decade, Marcus's life went from difficult to dangerous. It was six or seven years later when Tracy next saw Marcus at a high school football game. He was hanging out with some rough, older guys. When Marcus spotted Tracy, though, he threw his cigarette down, turned his cap around, and came over to hug her neck. Tracy's heart was broken to see where he was headed, but was delighted to see him again. At that point, she began to pray for Marcus, hoping that God would see him through. Marcus kept heading the wrong way and was in and out of trouble with the law from the age of 14 to 25. His mother feared for his life. The last report Tracy received was that Marcus was in prison, but she kept praying for him. In 2003, Tracy Holloman Lanfear and Marcus McCoy saw one another again at an ice cream shop. Tracy gave Marcus a big hug and invited Marcus to come to church with her family, which he agreed to do. Tracy's family met Marcus in her church parking lot and attended church together. Afterwards, Tracy took Marcus into a staff member's office during the Sunday school hour. There she showed him that long-forgotten candy jar and shared with him the impact that he had had on her life as a young student teacher, as well as the influence his life had had on her students. She told him of the programs that had been started in the community because of that influence. Marcus also opened up and shared many of the difficult things that had happened in his life. That day, Marcus allowed Tracy the privilege of sharing Christ with her, and he received Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. God writes quite a story. Tracy and Marcus's friendship continued to grow. Three years later, on August 8, 2006, they and Tracy's church organized a day of prayer for teachers, encouraging and praying for nearly 200 teachers in the Tupelo area. This story had legs, as some of us might say, and it spread to San Antonio, Texas, where it helped inspire the prayer ministry of First Presbyterian Church to both renew the idea of celebrating a day of prayer for teachers and invite other churches to join us so it might become a local and a national movement. To help us with that, we've asked Tracy and Marcus to join us by phone now to discuss their friendship, their faith, their views on teaching, and on why prayer for teachers and students is so important. But just before we, we get with them, it's a good time for station identification, for show identification. This is the Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture. I'm Larry Leninschmidt, your host. We welcome your visit to hillcountryinstitute.org to find out more about our ministry. And there are other radio programs there. This one will be there as well. And we invite your support. Uh, or this program is sustained by the gifts of people like yourself. 
So again, this is Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture, and we're in partnership today with First Presbyterian Church's Prayer Ministry, that's First Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, as well as other groups, and we appreciate the support of KSLR in this effort as well. So, Tracy and Marcus, thank you very much for being with us today. I know Rick, Rick gave a, a summary of the story, and, uh, and it's profound. Uh, Tracy, you, when you came into teaching, there, there must be something in the heart of a teacher that draws someone into a profession where you can help people and you can have that kind of impact. Yes, most definitely, I think. Um, but, you know, I've always said God kind of blindly led me into teaching because I, as a student, did not enjoy school. And my desire was that um, I just wanted to get through college with a degree. And so teaching seemed like something that would fit the lifestyle I wanted. And um, so I went into teaching not really realizing how much God had um, already prepared me for that profession, and um, my desire was to make learning fun, to, to teach kids and to help them to learn, but to make it fun and enjoyable for them. Well, for, for a teacher, what, what you just said is, it's, it, it, it seems to me that there's not a one-size-fits-all package, that you're, you're really working to find the uniqueness about a student and a way to motivate them, aren't you? Most definitely. Every student comes to the table um, with a different uh, background and um, what's happened in their lives. And so you, as a teacher, it's a huge responsibility to try to figure out um, that child individually, to meet them where they are, to love them where they are, and to try to do your very best to have a positive impact in their life for the time that you have them. Yeah, and it seems that the, the student has such a there's such a variety of backgrounds you know some some families are very supportive of education others could just think it's something they have to do until they're old enough to go to work and so there's a there's there's a there's a real uniqueness to those students isn't there yes there is there is a lot of the kids you know they come like you said with all different um backgrounds and for some students education is very important to them for other students um it's not important and it doesn't um necessarily seem to be a priority in every student's life and so you have to help them to develop that love for learning well when when rick was talking about marcus uh, being a little disruptive in class i was thinking you know that's about the way i was in the fourth grade so it's really easy (laughs) it's really easy to identify with that i thought i was a great fourth grade student until i I, a few years ago i found my report card and saw that the teacher had a different opinion (laughs) on my behavior i think it was all c's on behavior children of your own it helps you realize you may not have been just as um, well-behaved as you thought you were at that time. So. <laughs> well, all I remember is I got to know the principal very well, and he, he had some conversations with my parents. So I think that was that was indicative of something. So, uh, But uh, Marcus, you are I'm so glad you're with us today. What do you remember about that fourth-grade experience? What stood out in, as you think back on it now? Well, I learned a lot from that. One reason I had somebody care for you, and make you realize, you know, teachers need respect. So I don't know. It just dawned on me. She was there for me at all times. So that was that somewhat unique in your life at that point that somebody would be there for you like that. Really, I couldn't answer that because I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, and she showed me that no, we don't do it that way. We do it my way. <laughs> <laughs> I do have that kind of personality. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you you know when you're when you're that age, you're you're really looking for somebody to both care about you and set some boundaries, aren't you, Marcus? Something that yeah, yeah, uh, that's true, that's true, yeah. So uh, after after the fourth grade, uh, did that you know that that seems to have planted a seed with you? Some other things maybe didn't didn't go the way you would like for them to have gone, but later on you you came back. You had you had something that rooted you. Uh, with her, something that encouraged you, that brought you back to be friends over the long term, didn't it? Yeah, yes, yes. The Lord did that. I was just walking in the dark. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did during the time between when you weren't her student and you and you connected again, uh, you you were not at that point a Christian, were you? No, no, long way. No, I didn't believe in that. I was just wilding out, just hard here. Uh huh. But it, it it's a, it's an it's an incredible thought that something gets planted, and even even in a in a you know what could be called a dark time where I, I mean if I understand correctly, um, you, you you fell in with the crowd and and ended up doing some time in jail and then got out. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and so uh, and I and I'm and I'm not saying that in a negative way because I think God. God can even let us go through those things so that He prepares us for another time in life when we can be ready to receive Him. And is that is that how you feel it was with you? That's true. That's true. Like I said, I was walking in the dark with my eyes closed, and the Lord was right there all the time with His eyes open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was in His footsteps, but I was going my way. Yeah, and, you know, He the one kept the door open for me. Mm-hmm. So even even in the time when you were were, were doing it your way, uh, he was looking after you, wasn't he? All the time. Yeah. And he, I, do, he, he was right there. Uh-huh. And if I can jump in, this is Rick. Uh, if I can jump in, the uh, it is clear that he had already stamped you with the image of Christ, uh, both because of the sort of joy that you occasionally brought into the room in the midst of the disruption. Uh, and then also in the love that he put in your heart that caused a fourth grade boy to th- organize enough to get some work, to do the work, to, to then to do the planning and an effort to buy a present and then take it and absolutely surprise and floor your, teach, your fourth grade teacher. Uh, that's a love that, um, that speaks of Christ's love. Yeah. Uh, even at that time, even if it was something that wasn't in your mind, the, what are your reflections back on that, Marcus? Well, that was there. That was the way I really would appreciate her because she let us do break their yard, and we didn't have to go out and get in trouble. It just man, I was just so happy that they let us do it. Like man, I, I come up with something. You know, I think so too. You know, oftentimes it's looking back on life before you really realize what God was doing. And um, I think for Marcus and I both, um, you know, so much at that time when I was a student teacher and he was that fourth grade student, we didn't realize until later when we looked back that even God was guiding us then because, um, you know, I think Marcus knew I cared about him. um, And he obviously, in his own way, he cared about me as well. But I don't think we realized how much. Um, God was really using that for something much bigger later in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was a connection formed between you that that uh, survived the passage of years and being in different places in life and places in in uh, 
how you were living. So Right, and for those years that um, Marcus was not around in my life, that I was just praying for him, the impact he had had on my life as a young student teacher gave me a passion for kids like Marcus. Um, for the remainder of the years that I taught school, there were several different things, and that was one of the things I shared with him on that Sunday was the programs that had been started and the activities that were done at our school for kids like Marcus was for me. And and so he had given me a passion. Um, that, you know, I still tell people my passion is, um, you know, discipline problem young boys, and not many people are just drawn to that. But, but mm-hmm. Marcus gave me that love for that because even today when I see Marcus, he's a 42-year-old young man, um, but I still see the face and the smile of that fourth grade little boy all the time. It just still continues to bless my heart. So he was he was full of life and full of vigor, even if it wasn't always directed where you might want it. Yes, he had a delightful personality. He was a troublemaker, mm-hmm. but he, uh, he, he had a delightful personality. And just even though it was um, his efforts were misguided sometimes, he brought a lot of joy to the classroom um, just trying to you know, he was acting out for many reasons that, that I, to this day, still may not even know. Um, but um, he brought a joy that um, was contagious, and I just fell in love with him as a young boy, and that has continued on throughout his life. Mm-hmm. It was clear that he encouraged you yeah. profoundly. No, no doubt about it. Now, I yeah. mean, I, I will say it's the kind of teacher that I was. Um, he... I. I Again, I can say, you know, looking back, I didn't realize that so much at the time. I was just thinking I had this challenging little boy that I loved in my classroom. But God was shaping me because he needed me to be that kind of teacher to future students that I would have. And so Marcus had a powerful impact on me as a teacher. And Marcus, now I, uh, you, you're married and have a, have, uh, don't you have some kids of your own? Yeah, i got three kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now the shoe's kind of on the other foot, isn't it? Now you're married. <laughs> <laughs> well, and let me tell you, his, his kids are doing quite well. I think when you've grown up and you've been into some of the trouble Marcus was in, you were bound and determined your children are not going to take that same path. And he has been a diligent um, father to his children. And all three of his children are doing quite well. One's um, in college at Ole Miss, one's in college at ICC, and then he's got a younger blessing that hadn't. Um, it knows enough to go to college yet, but the kids are all doing very well, and he and I both are very proud of them. That's great. Hey, hey Marcus, share with us a little bit of your parenting philosophy. Oh, with my kids? Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, man, keep it real with them. I just, man, you know, one thing about your kids, you got to take time with them. You can't try to let the church raise your kids. You got to raise them. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and what I do, I just sit down and talk to them, you know. You can tell your kids you love them, you got to show them. Just by buying them stuff, getting them stuff, you just getting them out the way. You got to sit down and talk to them and be honest with them. Yeah. And that's the best way I tell anybody. You know, you be honest with your kids, they'll be honest with you. So you, would you give that same advice to teachers? Yeah, that's really yeah, Anybody. Mm-hmm. It's okay. just like, if you don't put nothing in the bank, you can't get nothing out. Yeah, so, so long, long series. Yeah. Huh? Just a long series of deposits then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got about three more, two and a half more minutes in, in this segment of the show. And before we, we get to our sort of debrief of the segment, 
could y'all talk to us for just a minute on your day of prayer that you did in 2006? Um, back in 2006, I just um, had a desire, being a former teacher, of, you know, the government can say they're taking prayer out of schools, but, um, that you know, they can't stop us from praying. Prayer can be in schools all day long, every day, in the hearts of the students and the teachers that are there, and it can be fueled by the parents that are not there. You know, the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And so we... Um, wanted to do something i you know approached marcus because he was a student you can imagine well known in our community not necessarily for his good by other people but i wanted to show them that um and so in this day of prayer marcus and i came together and he allowed me the privilege of sharing his story um, because it was his story and i've always been very protective of that story um but we wanted to encourage our community and to encourage the teachers. And there were four um, simple suggestions at the end of that talk. We shared Marcus's story. Um, we did some various things to encourage the teachers and then divided them up by schools and had, had people specifically praying over them before school started. But I left them with a few suggestions in the teaching profession um, with the new students coming for that year that as a teacher, um, to erase anything you've been told about a student by someone else, every student deserves a chance to have a fresh start and to have somebody not come to them with preconceived notions of what they're like. Um, as a teacher, I told them they needed to truly care. Those students know when that care is genuine, and I think Marcus's act on that December day with that gift that he gave to me, it was his way of showing me that he knew that I really did care about him. I encouraged them to pray for each student specifically, even before those students arrived, because God has created them unique and special and placed them on that teacher's class role for a reason. Amen. 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 We're going to jump in right there, Tracy. Okay. If it's okay. Tracy and Marcus, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for joining us with the Hill Country Institute Live today. This is a special edition in partnership with First Presbyterian Church San Antonio to encourage prayer for teachers. We have a day of prayer coming up on August 23rd. Please contact us if you would like for your church to participate, and you can pray anytime for teachers. We'll be right back after this break. <laughs> 